Bibles, if we would, and turn to Romans chapter 10. We've been doing a series on Sunday nights on how to witness, and I'm going to try to finish that up next Sunday night, uh, do kind of a summary of what we've done the last uh, several weeks. This is actually lesson number seven, I believe, but uh, uh, Romans chapter 10 And there are four basic words. If you see salvation being mentioned about how to be saved, you're going to see one of these four words. You're going to see repent, believe, call, or receive. And uh, the um, tonight what we're going to work on is the last two of those words, call and receive. And, of course, they're not in any specific order. Uh, you cannot actually believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, truly believe in Him without calling upon Him, without repenting of your sins. Uh, the, the words have a lot of overlap to them. But the, the point that I want to make is when, when someone gets saved, when you're trying to witness to someone to teach them how to uh, uh, come to Christ, there's just a good part of this they have to do. You, you cannot, as much as I would like to see someone get saved, as much as I want people to be saved, you, I can't get saved for you. Uh, and we want to be careful that we don't talk people into just a profession. Um, sometimes we have to be, I have to be careful as a preacher, there are, There are people that are willing to make decisions, but are they biblical decisions that are going to change their life, or are they just emotional decisions that are going to make them feel better for a little bit? And uh, so much of religion is simply that, and, and that's one of the reasons why there's so much repetition, is is because we we need to get it, Amen. It's got to be real. It's got to be true. And the greatest thing that we can do as trying in in our witness, in trying to tell people about Jesus, is encourage them to have their own personal living relationship with God. That's what salvation is. Uh, And I'll tell you, it's easy... Uh, and, and it happens, the, the Bible says it's going to happen, that people are just going to be tag-along Christians. Uh, they're not really saved, but they hang around people who are saved, so they kind of look like they're saved, they kind of smell like they're saved, they kind of talk like they're saved. But their faith is not their faith. Their faith actually belongs to somebody else. I've given the testimony here of years ago. Uh, my wife and I were talking to a young lady, and, and uh, she had visited our services. This was in the old building uh, before we moved here. And, and she said, yeah, I went forward, and, and a man prayed for me, and that's how I got saved. Uh, doesn't work that way, my friend. Real Bible salvation is a living relationship between you and God. You know, we have, uh, I like to ask the question, you know, the, the Bible likens being born again, the spiritual birth, to the physical birth. Uh, 
remember little Franzito was up here at the beginning of the service, and he heard Mama talking. He just started moving all over the place, and it was it was hilarious to watch. And if you've ever tried to hold little Franz, he he doesn't like to be held. Little Xavier, he he's just gonna move all over the place. You know, that's one thing little babies just like to do. And I, I remember uh, with, with all of ours, it was my job to wrap them up because I could wrap them up where they couldn't get out of the blankets and get them good and tight and, and uh, seal them in there so that they would uh, uh, struggle against the blankets and they'd feel all nice and warm and then they'd go to sleep sometimes. Um, but you know... When you have a little baby there wiggling and squealing and doing all the things, nobody looks down and says, is this a real baby? Now, I can't remember. I think it was, yes, it was uh, Jason. Somebody had given Esther or she would gotten a little doll, one of those ones that looked like a real baby. And I'd be walking through the house and see this thing laid on the floor or somewhere. And I've just freaked me out every time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, get that. You're just going to have to put that doll away until the baby gets a little bigger because it bothers me. Because that looked like a real baby, but it wasn't. Now, do you know where we're going with this? There's a lot of people that look like real Christians, but they're not. There's no life there. And part of your job as in witnessing is encouraging people to understand that you cannot piggyback your Christianity. Now, you can piggyback your Internet. That's what they call it when you take your phone and you go into somebody else's house or get as close as you can to somebody else's Wi-Fi signal and steal their signal from them. Uh, uh, that may work uh, to surf your internet and do what you're trying to do, uh, but that won't work to get you to heaven. It's got to belong to you. And that's where these two words come in, call and receive. How many of you have ever dialed the wrong number? Yeah, you know, is Fred there? Uh, who is this? Well, who is this? Well, first, you tell me who this is. How many of you have ever had that conversation? I'm trying to, you know. Uh, normally, when somebody calls me like this, I'll say, Well, this is Pastor Montoro at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Is that who you're looking for? Click. Uh, they know. They got the wrong number. Well... That's our first word, is call. You know, there's a lot of people dialing the wrong number to get to heaven. They think the priest is going to get them to heaven. They think mass is going to get them to heaven. They think the baptism will get them to heaven. They'll think doing good works is going to get them. But here's, here's what the Bible says. Let's just start in verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, now read those next three words with me, shall be saved. 
Now, if you don't call, you're not saved. And one of the things that I do when I'm witnessing, when I'm sharing the gospel, is I want to ask people, have you personally taken your faith, your belief in God, and went directly to Him in prayer and asked Him to save you? You know what a lot of times people say? Oh, preacher, I do that every day. Oh, wait a minute. You call on the phone. Hello, Mom, is this you? Click. Let me dial that again. Hello, Mom, is this you? You know what? Your mom's going to be getting pretty upset right about now. You know why? Because you just called her twice and hung up on her because you weren't sure you had the right number because you wouldn't listen long enough to find out that you'd dialed the right number and made the connection. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that know all about God. But you see, there's this thing called belief. We talked about that last week. If I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I only need to call once for salvation. If I call over and over again asking the same thing, what am I doing? I am really saying, well, God, I'm not quite sure that you really did what your word said. So I'm going to ask you again just to make sure. Is that faith? I've often dealt with people and they'll they'll say, Pastor, I'm just not sure I'm saved. Well, the worst thing you can do is just pray again to make sure. That's not faith. It's calling on the name of the Lord and expecting Him to do what He said. And by the way, if you buy books on witnessing and things, one of the first things you're going to get in those books, most of them will say, well, listen, you've got to tailor the conversation to the audience. I mean, if you're dealing with someone... I remember reading in one book, it says, look around the house while you're knocking on the door. And if they have pretty flowers, start talking to them about flowers. Uh, If you hear a dog barking, ask them what kind of dog they have and talk to them about their dog. And that way you can get the conversation going. No, I don't want to talk to you about your dumb dog. I'm sorry. Uh, I know your dog isn't dumb, but... Most dogs are, and that's why I don't have one. Uh, But the simple point here is, I don't want them to just repeat some words. I want them to make a connection with the God of heaven. Otherwise, there's no salvation. And when we're dealing with people, we need to be careful. How we explain to them to call upon the name of the Lord. This isn't just another bead on your rosary chain, if you're a Catholic orientation. This isn't just turning over a new leaf, if you're in a 12-step program. Uh, This isn't just trying to do the same thing over again. This is talking directly to God. You know, 
whether you appreciate our, our president and what he's doing or you disappreciate our president and what he is attempting to do, you still would not call him up on the phone and say, hey, Barack, I got a problem with you. You know what? You go to jail for that kind of stuff. That, that's disrespecting the office of the president. Try that in a courtroom sometime. You get called up for jury duty. Hey, judge! The, the judge is going to look at you one more time like that, and you're going to be fined for contempt of court. Well, how come we hear people all the time saying, Oh, yeah, the man upstairs and I, we're just like this. That borders on blasphemy, my friend. If I would follow those rules when I'm talking to another human being, and I should, wouldn't I be a little bit careful when I'm talking to God himself? Shouldn't I show just a little bit of respect? And this is what the Bible says here, that the Lord, there's no difference. Don't tune your witnessing technique, the cross is offensive. But if they won't accept the offense of the cross, they won't accept the Savior that died on it for you. And I don't mean we need to be needlessly offensive, but I've, I've read books where it says, well, if you're witnessing to an Islamic person, don't use the name Jesus. Well, who are you supposed to believe in? If you're not going to get over the offense of the name Jesus, you're not going to get saved, my friend. Because you must call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And the last time I checked in my Bible, His name is Jesus. And if you got a problem with that, then you got a problem going to heaven. This is what the Bible tells us. And, and there is no difference... If you're Jewish, if you're Arab, if you're American, if you're Canadian, if you're whatever you want to call yourself, if you're a human being, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Amen. You, you must understand that you have sinned and offended a holy God. That's called conviction. It's repentance. Repentance is where I bring my sin to God. You know, it's interesting. Most religion, what do they teach you to do with your sin? Well, we're going to clean it up a little bit and polish it and make it look a little nice and sprinkle some foo-foo water on it and make it smell nice. And, and we're not going to call it by all the really nasty names that it is and and you have to understand, I really not don't have a sin problem, I have a sickness. No, it's a sin problem. And until you bring your sin to a holy God and believe that He did everything that is necessary to save you, then you're not going to call upon Him the way the Bible tells us. Now, let's read the rest of this passage here. It says in verse 14, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? 
And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, or Isaiah, saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words into the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And so as we finish this passage here, it says, how are they going to call if they don't believe? How are they going to believe if they haven't heard? How are they going to hear if someone didn't preach to them? Now, in this sense... In, in the sense that the word preaches here, we believe in lady preachers. Because everybody should give the gospel. Uh, we don't believe in lady pastors of churches. Uh, because the Bible says no. But we do believe that every believer should preach the gospel. And every believer is sent. And who sent you? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Go ye therefore and what? Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's the great commission that was given to the church. Now, if you're a member of this church, hold your hand up. Okay? As a member of this church, you are supposed to be obedient to the command of the church. Uh, The command to the church by Jesus Christ. And we need to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're not all going to hear. That's what the Bible says. And the people that are going to have the hardest time hearing are the religious people. How many times have I passed out track? Oh, I'm Jewish. I don't need that. Had a guy yesterday say, Oh, I'm Islam. I don't need that. I said, Yes, you do. You need it more than anybody else does. He looked at me kind of funny. Kept walking. You know, people trust in their religion. I'm all right. I'm good. There's just part of me saying, There's only one good. That's God. And... You're not him. I can tell the difference. Amen? But the Bible says that if you're going to be saved, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. You know what your job as in in witnessing is? Is to help encourage people to call upon the name of the Lord. You can't do it for them. Now, I'm not against um, someone who 
says, I want to get saved, oftentimes I'll, I'll just simply ask them. I'll say, do you want to pray your own words or would you like me to help you with the words? And, and many times they'll say, yes, I would like you to help with the words. And I always say, now listen here. I, I can give you words, but if you don't mean them with your own heart, this is between you and God. I said, it doesn't work. I said, it's not a magical formula that saves you. It is calling, it is you directly talking to God, but He requests you to ask for certain things. It's not just to turn over a new leaf. It's not just to get the better. It's admitting that you're a sinner and that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and you're simply asking God to save you. Amen? Now let's turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and let's look at verse 11. It says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Now, that word receive is one of the most simple words in the English language. Receive. To accept, to take possession of. How many of you are looking forward to receiving something at Christmas? Somebody's going to give me something. And uh, I'll tell you, when you receive something, what do you do? You take it. You use it. If someone gave, if you gave someone a present and they didn't even unwrap it, they just put it on a shelf somewhere, would you be pleased about that? Would you be happy about that? If you gave something to someone, oh, let's, let's get extreme here, uh, one of those little rings with a stone on it that says, I want to marry you, and, and the person you gave it to looked at that and said, that's nice. Would you feel good about that? Now, when you receive a gift like that, there are strings attached. It says, I do. And uh, people uh, look at those things. And, and when, when I receive the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. There are some things that are attached to that receiving. And that's what this passage talks about. 
He came unto his own. He came to the Jewish people and presented himself as their Messiah. And what does the Bible say? They received him not. They didn't accept him as the Messiah. In fact, in John chapter 8, they said, How can you, a man, be God? And they picked up stones to stone him. And yet, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. How do you receive him? Even to them that believe on his name. See, all these words are connected. They're, they're, uh, if you want to think of it this way, they are different facets of the same stone. They are uh, different aspects. They give us a, different, a better understanding, a more complete understanding of what each of the other words uh, mean. But to receive the Lord Jesus Christ means to let Him do all the work of saving you. If you gave a gift to someone, they said, Man, how could I ever pay you back for this gift? I'm going to work for you. I'm going to be your servant for the rest of your life. I'm taking it back. I don't want a servant. I, I want someone to enjoy what they receive. Amen? Now, when we receive Jesus Christ, we do become his servants because he's given us so much. Because there's nothing better that we could do with our lives. But you cannot help Jesus save you by serving him. Do you get that? You cannot repay Jesus for what he did for you. By serving Him or doing anything for Him. There's nothing that you can accomplish. Receiving Him is understanding that... Look at, look at verse uh, 13 here. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, our Calvinist friends love this verse. They say, see there, you can't be saved except by the will of God. Well, who's arguing with you about that point? But let me tell you something. If you don't receive him, he's not going to save you. And when he saves you, he's the one that does all the saving. That's simply what that verse is talking about. You must allow God to do all the work of saving. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been born in this room? If you're alive, you've been born. Do we have anyone in here that remembers birth? Now, I know you can go to those psychoanalysts, psychologists, whatever they call them, and, and they will put you into a hypnotic state and they will help you remember your birth. Now, if you're willing to pay $300 an hour to have somebody lie to you like that, uh, come see me. We'll figure something out and put the money in the missions. Amen? Uh, 
I mean, it's just silliness. But people love to grab a hold of that kind of stuff. You better be careful. Do you realize that when you open your mind to that kind of stuff, they can put anything in your mind that they choose, and you will believe it. It's, it's a very scary thing. The, uh, uh, the, the people who are supposed to know how the human mind works, they say that you can put things into someone's memory and they will believe it's true. Better watch out. The Bible says that if I'll just receive Him, He'll do all the work of saving me. Isn't that an incredible truth? And when you're witnessing someone, you need to make sure they understand this. Because so many people, they're programmed. Everything in society has some string attached, has some little trigger, and has something that you are supposed to do. Uh, I remember when I was working with Brother Clayton many years ago, we would go out and sometimes do some survey work in an area, and and one of the questions that was on the survey was, uh, are you looking for some type the world to end in some type of cataclysm, or are you looking for man to solve his own problems? And even in the few years I traveled with Brother Clayton, we would see the, the answer changing to that question. I mean, uh, if you got a hold of the older generation, the generation that went through World War II, they were, they were pretty much of the opinion that somehow the world was going to end with one big boom. But you talk to anybody of, of my generation or newer, and you know what they're going to tell you? Oh, yeah, man's going to solve all their own problems. Let me tell you, that's tragic. You can't receive Jesus as your Savior if you believe you can solve your own problems. That's why you need to receive Him. Is because you can't solve your own problems. All God's people said. You see, when you're trying to witness to someone, you have to give them what the Bible says. But you have to be sensitive enough to understand what they are saying back to you rather than, okay, can I take them to the next step? Can I get them to pray? You see, so often that's the goal of these soul winning programs. And that's one of the reasons we don't have them in our church. Is because we don't want a a church full of people who have just prayed a prayer. We, We want people who are saved. Amen? And it's your responsibility as you handle this book called the Bible. Sometimes you wonder why I'm so careful with words and I like to give big definitions and I like to spend a lot of time just hammering over the same thing. It's because God's holding me accountable for what I preach and what I tell others. And I'm not telling you that I'm perfect at this thing. But I, but I will tell you this. 
if someone will allow me to talk to them about their soul, I want to make sure they understand what the Bible says. Because if they miss heaven, I don't want it to be my fault. Amen? And you need to take that responsibility. See, it's not an option. If you're here tonight and you're saved, it is really not an option to share the gospel. It is a command. It is a God-given responsibility to everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ. You need to tell others about Jesus. But when's the last time you had a meaningful conversation with a total stranger? That doesn't happen very often now, does it? You know, that's one of the reasons why we like to give out, I like to give out gospel tracts. Is because when I'm gone, the tract can still speak. And they can read it over again. And, and if I have the opportunity, I, I love, uh, my favorite thing to give somebody is one of those marked editions of John and Romans that we have. So that they can take God's Word home and read it over and over again if they will choose to do that. And I will tell you that there's been times where I've talked to some of our neighbors here on the street. I said, is there any way you would just give me a little bit of time? I don't say five minutes, because that's a lot. There's no way I could explain to you everything the Bible says about salvation in five minutes. I said, would you give me some time to talk to you about your soul? You know what? I, I can remember the names and faces of people who said, No. Okay, I can't make you listen. If you ever change your mind, I'd be more than happy to do that. See, that's witnessing. Now, part of the problem is people are so attached to their religion that they can't believe what the Bible says. And I've often told people, I said, at least... I said, would you at least allow me to give you enough information that you can make an informed decision about your soul? I said, you've already made a decision based upon whatever has happened in your life. And maybe by, uh, I remember one, uh, several instances, someone would talk and you could immediately tell that someone who had tried to witness to them in the past had said some very hurtful and mean things and possibly unnecessarily offended them. You know, that happens sometimes, witnessing. I never will forget the story. One night I got a call on a phone from some guy, and he said, my nephew's dying of brain cancer in New York City, and, and you live there, and my preacher told me, would you go visit him? And uh, I was a lot younger back then, and I, I said, sure, sure, just give me their address. I'll go. And I went, and I knocked on the door, and they said, who are you? And I said, well... Uh, uh, this guy named whatever his name was, Joe Smith, uh, he gave me your name and he said his nephew, Uncle Joe sent you. And I'll tell you what, you could just feel the anger and the hatred in this person's voice. 
I've gotten to the point now where somebody calls up like that. I said, now listen, am I going to take a cussing you deserve? And they said, well, what do you mean? I, I said, have you already so offended these people that they're not going to listen to me if I use your name? Now, that story had a good ending. I said, listen, I'm not here to, to repeat whatever Uncle Joe did. And that's not his name. We'll just call him that. I said, but if you would give me a few minutes, I said, I'd just like to open the Bible and read some verses. And so, it was actually the mother of the young man. He was in his 20s, dying of brain cancer. Just tragic story. And... I, I just walked up to him and I said, my name's Pete Montoire, pastor. I said, would you let me talk to you about your soul? And uh, he could not verbalize words, but he nodded his head up and down. And so I looked at his mother. I said, would it be okay? And she said, yes. And we spent about the next 40 minutes just giving him Bible verses. And he would nod his head. I said, can I give you some more? And he would say, yes. And finally, I said, would you... Trust Jesus as your Savior. And he nodded his head, yes. I didn't hear the words that he said, but God did. And, and I hope and pray that I'll see that young man in heaven. But let me tell you something. If you're going to be a witness, be a witness of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be rude and crude. In fact, that's not in the Bible. Uh, but you can't compromise the message. If I meet someone of the religion of Islam, I say, listen, I believe Jesus is God. No, I don't. I said, well, let me show you. Jesus said he was God. Will you let me show you what the Bible says? And I've had several of them say, sure. And then they'll say, I don't believe it. That Bible's been changed. I said, no. I said, that's just what somebody told you. I said, if you want to get into the argument, I said, I've studied textual criticism my entire uh, uh, life because I'm, I'm a preacher of this book called the Bible. And, and there's a lot of issues here. And, and I remember one guy in particular, he says, he says, no, he said, we don't have that problem with the Quran. I said, yes, you do. I said, you got guys fighting wars with each other because they believe different things about the Quran. Don't give me that. He said, no one's ever corrupted the Quran. I said, give me one. I'll show you how it works. He didn't take me up on it. But it is so, you can take any book out of context that was ever written. Give me the three little pigs. I'll show you how it's done. I mean, it's not hard. But if you'll just read what's written here, you have to understand that Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son. Amen? And you have to put your faith and trust in Him. And you do that by calling upon His name. You must call and ask Him to save you. And you must let Him do all that is necessary to save you. You can't help Him. All false religion is based upon that single premise. I don't care what it is. Is that somehow you can make yourself or help God 
save you. Make yourself acceptable to God or help God save you. That is the premise of all false religion. The Bible is the only book that says you come just as you are. And he will do all the, he has done all the work that is necessary to save you. Let's ask God for opportunities to witness. But one we do. You say, Pastor, I can't talk like you do. Well, don't try to talk like I do. Just say what the Bible says. Remember lesson number two? You got to know what Jesus did in your life. He didn't do that in my life. He did it in yours. And don't get into, well, you know, I can't answer. I, I, let, me, let me try to answer all your questions. No, don't do that. Say, listen, I'm not here to answer all your questions. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Now we're getting into next week's sermon. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you would do a work in our hearts, that you would put a desire within our hearts that's supposed to be there. Tell other people about Jesus. Lord, whether you call it common sense or just obedience to the Holy Spirit of God, or just plain old-fashioned sense at all, Lord, we, we need it. We, we need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God to know when to be strong, when to step back, when to, to just uh, uh, make sure that we're not being unnecessarily offensive. But Lord, give us the grace to be biblically offensive, to do what needs to be done that a person could understand what, what salvation is and what it isn't. Lord, we ask that you would encourage us in this thing called witnessing. That we would accept your command. That we would take upon us the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, that we would be thankful for those who brought your word to us. And we would be willing to take your word to others. Lord, we need a revival of soul winning in our church. We, we just need it, Lord. We, we're not going to grow. We're not going to get where we ought to be. We're, gonna, we're not going to do what we ought to do unless you do that among us. But Lord, we pray that you would keep us in the fear of the Lord as we do it. We would not rely upon the flesh and our ability. Lord, help us to be your servants and to witness about the great things that you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep our heads bowed. And if you need to slip out of your seat and spend a few minutes, the altar's open. Then we'll get into our prayer time tonight. Just a few moments.